Hello, thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. How are you guys doing? It's March already. Uh, you wake up, is that, is that a cliche? Um, time's going by so quick. Well, my name is Rob Chifukui, and I'm the young adults pastor here at Covenant Church. And uh, am I glowing? Am I, be- am I beaming? I'm like, I cannot see anyone. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? Um, but yeah, you know, excited to share the word this morning. Bob arrived safely in Zimbabwe, so praise God for that. Praise God for those travels. Um, it's exciting. Awesome. Praying for fruitful, a fruitful time there in Zim. And this morning, church, I, I've been praying. I'm expecting this morning that God is going to be doing a work in our hearts as we go through this passage of scripture. As we open the word of God, my, my, my hope this morning, I started writing down things as, as we were worshiping. Lord, this is what I, Lord, this is what I want to see. I just want to ask, you know, like in Matthew 7, I just want to ask the Lord, Lord, do, do a work in our hearts. Do a deep work in our hearts. Make us a church that's on fire for you. Make us a people that love you more than anything. I don't mean sort of love you. I mean like you. Lord, make us a people that are in love with you more than anything. And so this morning, I, I, I am excited. I, I'm, I'm about as excited as Rob Bloss was yesterday. Um, it was his 14th birthday because he's born on the 29th. So, <laughs> so he should have good-looking skin, actually. Um, but, we'll, you know, and, and, and I'm excited about this passage of Scripture, this particular passage of Scripture, because, you know, it talks about food. And I'm amped. I'm always pumped about food. Like, food is awesome, and, 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 I, and I just love. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a foodie, um, but not like, I, I'm not, like, um, picky. I just love food. Like, it's cool. And, um, and we're looking at a food passage this morning. I just want to ask this, you know, in the church, how many of you have planned a wedding, been a part of planning a wedding, some, sometime in your life you were involved in one, and uh, you'd know this. People don't like raising hands in church. They're like, no, I will not raise my hand. I know where this goes. It's not an altar call. No, I'm just checking to see that you're out there. But the reality is that I... I Weddings are, are expensive, okay? Weddings are expensive, and I was Googling this, and it's, it's, it's a 40 bucks per person to feed. 40 bucks per person. And I, I don't remember my wedding being 40 bucks per person, but I was looking at these, these figures. I was like, 40 bucks? I was like, that's why people are like, hey, man, I'm so sorry you can't come, but, you know, <laughs> only one from your household can be there. Because 40 bucks is a lot. And then I realized that in your culture here, that the father of the bride pays for the wedding. <laughs> I'm like, that's not, that, that doesn't happen where I come from. Where I come from is the father of the groom that pays for the wedding. And I have two girls. I'm going I'm to be broke at this $40. There'll be three people at my, at my daughter's wedding. It'll be like Bob and, and some other guy, the DJ. And I'm like, I'm like 40 bucks, and we're going to be diving into this passage where it seems uh, like, like an, an insurmountable task to feed thousands of people. Because if you plan a wedding, you've had, to, you've had to cut off like the fats, and you'd be like, yeah, they're not really our friends. Here you find <laughs> there are 5,000 people, 5,000 plus, just 5,000 dudes, and Jesus goes, yo, we've got to feed these people. And so we're going to see in this passage, so much is going to be unpacked. And this is a familiar passage of scripture, but I want to encourage you. Like I said this morning, may the Lord do a new work in you. 
May he reveal things to you, not because I'm smart, not because I, I know, because of who he is. Just opening his word, I pray that you see something in this passage that will speak to you at this moment in your life, right now. And so we look at this passage, and, and I want to encourage this church, here's part of the, 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 the analogy of the food in this passage of scripture. It's the word of life, the word of God, the bread of heaven. You got to dive into the word of God. And you know, we have Bibles tucked in under your seats. Um, and those Bibles, guys, open them up. I would encourage you, open up a physical Bible. Open up the word of God. Sometimes we're reading in one section and you flip back and you're like, what? That happened. You're like, you know, you're just reading and I'm preaching, but God is speaking to you as you look through your Bible. Like, I mean, pay attention, but sometimes God is showing you something else in his word. So I encourage you this morning, open the Bible, open the Bible. So uh, we're going to be reading from uh, in, your, in the Bibles that we give to you. Uh, it's like page 886, and it's John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tib- Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into, into the hills by himself. I love, I love reading God's word, church. And even as I've been reading it now, I, 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 no kidding, I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, what? That, like, that's just like this in the Bible. This is awesome. And I can't preach that right now because I'm not prepared and I haven't really looked. I was like, that's rubbish, Rob. That's not real. But I'm looking at this and I'm like encouraged looking at the story because even though it's so familiar, it's so rich. There's so much there. Because we know if we're reading the Bible, maybe you have a background in church, you've seen the story, maybe you first heard it in Sunday school, and if you have no background in church, you're like, man, is that really even possible? But we look at the story with different eyes, different lenses, and you'll find that there's a lot that's going on. And this, this morning, I just want to focus on the enoughs, because there's some enoughs in this passage of scripture that we're going to unpack. And the first enough that I want to unpack is this, I'm not enough. I want to say this, church, countercultural message, this you're not going to find on Instagram today, you are not enough. 
There's no hashtag that's going, yo, you're not enough. That's not trending. We are not enough. We're not enough. And I see here, when, I, when I'm looking at this passage of scripture, like I, I, the driving force here is that there's, there's a tendency for us to want to be enough to be the solution to the things that we see around us, but Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. As a Christian, that shouldn't even target our hearts the wrong way. It's like, I absolutely know I'm not enough because that's why, that's why I needed Jesus to die on the cross, to, be, to, to rise again and give me new life. I'm not enough. But, but you know, here's, here's another thing that, that's not enough. People just gathering around Jesus. Gathering around Jesus' stuff, going to Christian concerts, coming to church, it's not the, it's not the finish line. If it's your first day in church, I'm really sorry. You're like, okay, I've done it. I've reached the finish line. You're like, I'm new. This dude just said, this is the beginning. It's like, no, this is, this is not the finish line. This is not enough. As you find here that there were hungry crowds that were drawn to Jesus, but they were hungry and they needed to be fed. They needed to be fed. Church, we need to be fed. We're, we're all consuming something. We're all filling our bellies with something in this world, in this life. Some of us, it's the immediacy of, of the moment that we wake up, we grab our phones and it's the news that fills our bellies. For some of us, it's social media that fills our bellies. For some of us, we're filling, our, uh, we're filling our hearts, our spirits, our souls with stuff that isn't Jesus. And then we go, I don't know why I'm losing so much hope. It's so hopeless out there. And your Bible is collecting dust. The Bible app's never been open. It's not one of the apps. That's, that's running on your phone. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm not saying this to judge you. Actually, I'm putting myself in that category because I was sick, uh, I was sick last week and, um, and, and I ended up binge watching something. I'm going to being sick and we like just binge watch. I binge watch. I got to the end of the season. It was so disappointing. I, like, I watched all those episodes just so that I can have a bad ending. It was so whack. And the... <laughs> And the, and the reality is this, after that, and I love how the Holy Spirit does this, he then convicts us after that, right? So after that, I go, I wonder how long it takes to watch a full season of a show. And like, I look, and it's like 18 hours on average. I was like, I gave 18 hours of my life just to find out that that dude dies at the end and he doesn't catch the guy. <laughs> and then this is the kicker. Then I Googled, how long does it take to read the Bible? <laughs> it takes 16 hours to read the entire New Testament and comprehend it. Jeez, think about that. How many seasons of The Office have you watched? <laughs> Some of us can quote The Office like it's scripture. And we're like, I could have been reading the New Testament over and over again. And church, I don't say this to judge you, but I'm telling you that biblical literacy is low. People don't know the word of God. They'll tell you everything. They'll tell you every politician right now who's campaigning, where they've campaigned, how many points they won, what the polls say. They don't know nothing about the word of life. They'll tell you stats about baseball teams and who's in the, in the, in the minor leagues who should come up. The word of life. Church, I'm not saying this to judge you. I'm in there. And the Lord working on my heart, convicting us that we need to be fed because we are not enough the countercultural message of the gospel. We are not big enough to fix the solution that we face. It's we have to look at Jesus. Church, the first issue here is that there are a bunch of people gathered around Jesus and they're hungry. And I think it's the same situation that we find ourselves in the church now. 
a bunch of people gathered around Jesus who are hungry. And it is what, what do we feed them? What do we feed them with? Is it the word of God or is it something that looks like the word of God? Is it Jesus or is it someone that looks like Jesus? The bread of life. We're not enough. So I find in this passage the, the, the amazing thing, the first person who pops up in this passage is Philip. And Philip pops up in this passage and Philip is asked this question by Jesus. It's like, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And I don't know if you've been following Jesus and you find yourself in situations in your life where you feel like following Jesus, he's led you somewhere and now, you, now it's impossible. And then you find that the, the Lord is not giving you the solution, but asking you the questions of how to fix the solution. And you're like, but you're Jesus. If you're Jesus, Philip must have been freaking out. What is this? And we find in this passage that it's a test. He's going, Philip, how are we going to feed these guys? How are we going to feed everyone here? It's like, Jesus. His answer is like, well, um, we would have to work for months to give everyone just one bite. What, what, what are you saying? You know, Philip, you know those meetings that you go to, staff meetings, and they're like, yeah, just give your suggestions. There are no wrong answers. This is not one of them. Philip, wrong answer. <laughs> you're, not the, you're not the solution to this problem. It was a test. Whenever we're faced with something in our lives, church, and it looks like Jesus is asking us, how are we going to get over it? It is not you that can get yourself over it. Whatever it is, and I've toiled in my life, and I know you have as well, and you've tried to fix situations in your own strength. Guess what? Wrong answer. It's not up to you. Philip looks and he goes, Jesus, it's impossible because we can't work for eight months to come back in time to feed people tonight. It's impossible. And the impossible tasks that we face, Jesus is the answer. You are not enough. Jesus is. The right answer is, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and there's the solution. Jesus, you are the solution to this problem. Even in the feeding of the people church, Jesus is the one who feeds the flock. Jesus gives us the elements. Jesus provides the miracle. And I love in this passage of scripture, church, because we look for stuff and we're looking at ways to, to, to fix the solution. I love that at the end of the story, you'll find, just skipping a little bit ahead, but you find that when they had been fed by Jesus, they were willing to crown him king. And church, that's us. When we're not fed here, we feast somewhere else and we're ready to crown people king. I love in Africa especially in Africa. I don't know if it happens here. I haven't been here long enough. But in Zimbabwe especially, during political seasons, politicians go with actual food. Literally, this text, if I was preaching it back home, I'd be like, remember that time when that guy came with grain and said, hey, vote for me? They do that. Come with actual food. Fill their bellies so that they may be crowned king. And church, I don't know if you miss it. We are in that season. Fill your belly. Whoever fills your belly. Hey, listen, church, who are you going to with your issues and your problems? Who are you looking to fill you? Who are you looking to? If it's not Jesus, trust me, you're being joked. If it's not Jesus, it's like, hey, I just want to be your king. Jesus goes, I don't want to be king. That is not why I filled your bellies. I'm already king. I'm good to go. 
And so church, my encouragement from that one point is this, stop working, start trusting. You can't, you can't work for it, start trusting. The next thing we see in this passage of scripture is, is the second enough. We find here in verse nine, we find as the story progresses in verse nine, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up and he says, hey, listen, there's a young boy here. I love that. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and I like to read my my Bible with a little bit of an imagination. I think people are gathered, and the first question is shout out to Philip, and Philip goes, yo, man, I I, I don't know, we'd have to wait eight months. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother goes, hey, there's this boy with uh, five loaves and two fish, and I can imagine the other disciples going, Andrew, whose brother, Peter, why we told you not to pick this guy? This guy is, I know, Lord, you're picking the lowliest of the lowly, but come on, there had to be like a bar for the IQ. Because listen, dude, that is a dumb suggestion. There are 15,000 people here. You're talking about a boy's lunch. It's like he brings the suggestion to Jesus. He speaks up and he says, hey, there's, there's this kid here. And I love that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's no mention of the boy or the type of bread. But in John, John goes, hey, listen, we had no bread, nothing. The disciples had nothing. And there was this boy. And the barley loaves, John mentions those barley loaves because that was the inexpensive bread that was used by the poorer class. So you find here, John is making it clear that the the miracle came from the unlikeliest source, a poor boy. We find in the passage in every account of this, of, of this story that they only counted the men. 5,000 men were counted. So it was the one who wasn't counted. It was the one who was, who was poor. It was the one who was small that God chose to use. It was the insignificant one, the discounted one that provided the contents that counted. Church, we need to be people of faith who stop disqualifying ourselves based on what we have based on where we're from, based on what happened, based on the fact that I've always been overlooked. And I know it's not popular in Central Bucks because here we're a little bit more accomplished. Here the median income is 135K. You still don't have enough to do what God needs to do. We're all poor in the face of God. We all don't have enough and God is looking at that person. If you have been overlooked, this is not to motivate you, this is to get you out of your seat so that you can start walking by faith into the things of God. If you don't walk by faith into the things of God, the enemy, the devil will disqualify you before you even wake up. You have enough in your hands. Whatever it is God has put in your hands, that he will work with. So many times, church, I will get up in the morning and the very first thing, Sunday morning, Saturday night, the enemy in my ear, hey, listen, man, remember, there are better people, there are more qualified people than you, Rob. Hey, remember, Rob, you know, you're from Zimbabwe. That's the second poorest country in the world. What What are you doing? All the time. There are people with PhDs in the Bible in the church. Who are you? And then I remember, God loves to use the insignificant. God loves to use the ones that are discarded. God loves to use small. He loves to, he loves to catch you with the right hook when you're not looking. And goes, pow, here you go. And here we find that God loves using small. This small boy was the one who had the contents that provided the miracle. If you read your Bible, you will find all throughout. It's not about how big you can get in this world. It's about how willing you are. It isn't about that. 
Sometimes we think, if only I can get that job, then I'll be useful in the kingdom of God. If only I can get that degree, then I'll be useful in the kingdom of God. And then you read the Bible and you find that God uses a small shepherd boy to be king. You find that God uses this young Jewish, this young Jewish lady to, to save his people through Esther. He, he, he uses, he uses this, this young woman called Mary to be the mother of the Messiah. God loves using small. He goes, you know, when I use small, I'm glorified more because people cannot boast. And I love it. They can just say, it couldn't have been him. It had to be God. So you don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. The source of the miracle came from the unlikeliest source. And I can imagine in the crowd, there might have been people with stakes, but were unwilling to give it. Oh, guess what? You're getting fish, man. You could have had steak and potatoes maybe. I don't know. I don't know what other food they ate back then. But the reality is there are people who withheld what they had. Can you imagine? Do you think out of 15,000 people, there was one boy with lunch? Only one boy had the presence of mind to bring something to eat. Everyone else withheld it. And I love this. Time and time again in ministry, I find it that when there's a problem, we always think the wealthiest and the smartest are going to be the solution. And church, I'll tell you, like in ministry over and over again, we are surprised and astounded by who's the person who is willing to say, I'm going to give everything. Oftentimes, it's the one who has much who doesn't want to give. And sometimes, it's the one who loves the Lord with little who is faithful. And here's the thing, church, this morning, what are you unwilling to give up for God to do something? What is God tugging on your heart? And listen, this is not just material things. We're not about to take up a second offering. I'm not talking about that. What in your life are you unwilling to give up? Some of us are unwilling to give up stuff, so we're stagnant. Our lives, church, our lives are rotting. I'm just going to be real with you. And I'll tell you this, I've been there, unwilling to give up an attitude, unwilling to give up pride, unwilling to give up status, unwilling to give up something that's just going to hurt a little bit. Because you know what, the Christian life isn't asking us, God isn't asking us to give up just a little bit. He's asking, the, the call for a Christian is give up everything. If it's your first time in church, that's the deal. This is the first date where the person just tells you everything. It's like, bang, you know what, it costs everything. The other stuff is a lie. It costs us everything. Or willing to give up everything. Open-handed with every part of our lives. Every little thing. Ask the Lord to search your heart. And it's scary. But I'll tell you, when we read the end of these stories, we find that the reward is, is amazing. What are you unwilling to give up, church? What are you unwilling to give up? And also, if you're young in this room, I just want to say this. Stand up in front of you. You're not the future of the church. That's a lie. You're the church right now. The Lord is birthing sermons in your heart. You need to preach to me. You need to come to me with a word of encouragement and say, hey, listen, Rob, I really like this. Listen, it just can't be your parents. You're like, hey, I, when you were saying that, I felt this in my heart. You need to be the ones who preach to each other. You need to be the one who prays in your school. You need to be the one who stands up in boldness, set a fire in your heart. You're not, you're, there's no other time. You are the thing that we're waiting for right now. You are the answer maybe to the prayers that we've been praying for years. You, we're, wait, we're, we're just waiting. We're just waiting, and I love this church. I've been saying this all weekend. You know, the young people, what kind of church? And I was talking about a church, uh, the church that started the Bible app. You know, the church that started the Bible app, 330 million downloads later, the pastor always says, the idea for the Bible app came from a 13-year-old in the church. 
team in the church came up, said, hey, pastor, I have an idea. Listen, church, we, we discriminate and we push away youth. We go, you don't know better. Hey, why don't you go make a TikTok video? We don't receive stuff. And the Lord is going, that was the idea to bring the Bible to millions of people digitally. It was this kid in a church who just said, I got an idea. What if we make a Bible app? Bam. Let us not disregard. We do not know what people carry, church. We cannot see in the inside of the people's house. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Samuel couldn't see that David was supposed to be king. We can't see that. God has that vision. God knows what people carry in their hearts. Our job is to receive what people carry in their hearts. And so I want to encourage you parents. You know, in 2 Timothy, I just want to say this. In 2 Timothy, don't wait for a youth pastor or a young adult pastor to be the one who preaches and sets those fires in your children's hearts. 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, I, 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 I praise the Lord. He's praising God for, for Lois and Eunice, Timothy's grandma and mom, for the passion that they had in the Lord that you're following. He doesn't say, I also praise your youth pastor. It's none of that. You are the one who sets those fires in your home. You are the one who says, I want to hear what you have to say about God. You are the one who says, you open up this word and you share. You as a parent. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Moms and grandmas out there. Set those fires in, in the hearts of young people. And then we find here at the end of the story, it says, uh, almost at the end, it says, verse 11, we get to the good stuff. It says, then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks to God and he distributed them. And afterward, it says, it says that they ate as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. You know, I, I don't know, like, if you've ever been to a place where you've eaten as much as you wanted. I've been to so many ways. I get to go and do weddings sometimes. And to be honest, because it's 40 bucks a plate, I totally understand. Sometimes it's like, a, it's like a little steak that they've divided into 50 pieces and then, like, three peas and, like, two carrots and then some, some pesto, you know, voila. You know, it's like, I know you're broke. I know the story. It's tough because it's 40 bucks a plate. But I went to this one wedding the one time, and they just had food on food on food. It was like, yeah, yeah, they had like, they had a tater tot station which was making tater tots and, and they had fried chicken and blah, blah, blah. And, like, and they're like, yeah, that's just an appetizer. And we're like, we, we're full. We went to the bathroom, did some star jumps. I was like, I don't want to miss the steak. And I worked this off, burned this energy. And I, it's like, I was so full. And I know gluttony is a sin. I'm sorry, I repent. But the reality, I was there going, geez, there's so much food here. Filled to the full, more than enough. A God of more than enough. You never hear that enough. Yes. You never hear that enough. And I'll tell you this, church, when I became a Christian, the first church I went to was a wealth, health, and prosperity gospel church. And I just want to say this. I'm friends with them still. And I still know them. The Lord is faithful to do what he's doing in people's lives, even people you think are in the wrong church. The Lord did what he was doing in my heart, stirred in my heart, told me, hey, Rob, but I've never been to a church that prays more. I'm being for real. Never been to a church that reads the Bible more. Everyone knew the Bible, and I was in that church, and they were giving me the tools to search the Lord. And the Lord was like, Rob, this ain't the place for you. Faithful, he's big enough. There's no Facebook post that can do that. So the reality is, God strikes a chord in my heart and I leave. But here's the thing, because of what I had seen there, I started to become this anti-prosperity person where I was like becoming so anti-prosperity, so anti more than enough that I was anti the Bible. What do you do in this story? 
Because it's not to say God can only provide just what you need. Church, in this story, does God provide just what they need? No. No, you don't have to fight scripture. The answer is no. The 12 baskets full of leftovers. We just read it. Jesus did that. It wasn't some other guy. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't a demon. It was Jesus. He provided more than enough. There were leftovers. So we serve a God of more than enough because if we serve a God of just what we need, we are not generous people because we just have what we need. Let me tell you, in this church, you have more than enough. You have more than enough. Oh no, Rob, you don't know my situation. Oh no, I have to pay for Hulu, Netflix, and Disney Plus now. No, you have more than enough. The Lord will use that, I'm not judging you. But I took an inventory of my own life. When I entered 2020, I was like, Jesus, I love you, and everything is cool. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, in 2020, I don't want you to buy a single article of clothing, you have more than enough. I was like, Lord, for real? But you know, Lord, come on. Old Navy, and after that, my emails is like 50% off, 75% off. <laughs> like, come on, Jesus. The Lord of more than enough, church, willing to give up stuff because we, the, the Lord has blessed you. Everyone, something, you have something that's more than enough. And that's the God that we serve because if He's just what we need, we also look at that as His forgiveness is just what you need. It's more than enough. When you look at mercy, it's just what you need. It's more than enough. So when you sin, you stop coming to church because God only gives just what you need. When you fall and you're struggling in sin, ah, the grace, it's, not su- it's sufficient, but not more than enough. The credit card of grace, I've swiped it too many times, Lord. No. Overflowing, more than enough. His grace is sufficient. He says, come back. Each day, what does it say? New mercies. He goes, I've got brand new. Overflowing. I'm rich in that. The cross was such a big payment. Jesus on the cross is enough. And we find in the story, God did this. And if you look at your life, church, maybe you can look at your spouse. And sometimes I look at my wife and I go, God gave us more than we asked for. God did more than we we could ever imagine. And so I remind you, church, how we serve a God of more than enough. I love here, verse 22 to the end, you find this, you say, the next day there was a crowd that had stayed on the far shore, on the far shore, they saw that the disciples had taken the only boat. And Jesus was trying to get away, he was like, we don't want the crowds anymore. And it says, several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across the Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I wish he had said, hey guys, I've been trying to duck you. But he says this, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What shall we, what should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. Woo, come on. Jesus knows why you're here. He knows why we sometimes follow him. I've seen people on the mountaintops of provision. My goodness, Hillsong all day. They're like, oh God, he restored my marriage. They're loving Jesus. I've been there myself. We love following the, the Jesus who provides. 
The heart of Jesus to follow is the Lord and Master. And when Jesus is filling our bellies, we will, we will seek him. And Jesus says, this miracle wasn't about feeding you guys. And I could imagine these guys were like, we found our meal ticket. We found a way to always, we'll never go hungry again if we hang out with this guy. Economically, imagine how mad that is. Like this, like this guy can multiply one cheesesteak into 15,000. You know, the profit margins are ridiculous. And, they, and it's not just food. We heard that in Cana, you know, a few weeks ago in Cana, this dude, he also does drinks. <laughs> Turn water into wine, Chardonnay. People are like, what? They're like, we are good, we're set, let's stick with this guy. And Jesus goes, you didn't understand. You didn't understand. And church, if you want to understand the meaning of the miracle, you have to come back next week because this is a two-part series. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying, uh, he knows why you're here. He knows why we're there. He didn't chase them away. He didn't say, he said, oh, let me explain. And so we find here at the end, uh, and I'll land with this church. Land real quick, because I have to. Verse 12, it says this. Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. In, the other, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the same story, it says, gather the broken pieces. Our church, we're broken. That's not a popular thing that we want to hear. But there's brokenness in our lives. There's no one complete. Is anyone here? In here, complete. You've reached the finish line. You're good to go. No one. We're all kneeling at the foot of the cross saying there's room. I am broken. They ask my wife, just hang out with my wife for three hours, she'll tell you, oosh, broken, 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 broken. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy, your grace is sufficient because he needs it. And you can say that about your spouse, you can say that about your kids. We're all broken. But Jesus says, gather the broken pieces, gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. You know what, everyone had discarded the broken pieces. I think people were now leaving. <laughs> And Jesus says, I want them. You and I are the broken pieces that were gathered, that were gathered, that Jesus says, I see you. I see the broken, I see the messed up, I see the torn apart, I see the scattered. I want you. And I love that many, many biblical scholars will tell you that the number 12, it's, it's the, the, symbol, the symbol is like completeness. Jesus says, gather the broken pieces so that I can make them complete. You and I, you and I, how beautiful is that as Pete was saying? That news, I don't know, it pumps me up, church. Like it pumps me up like to the core that I was this broken piece that Jesus didn't ignore and said, I want you. And he gathered, he gathered us. And maybe today, you feel like you're completely broken, church. There's a cross that is more than sufficient, a God that is more than enough. That says, I came to make the broken complete. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, as we praise and as we worship you, as we lift up your name, Lord, remind us. Remind us that we have to trust you, Lord that you are sufficient, that you are a provider, that you give us what we need and more. You're more than enough. Lord, remind us of that, Lord, as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you don't miss any new content.